I want to, like I said, bring a message entitled The Magic of Christmas. For, for some, Christmas brings out the worst in life um, because your life has been associated with bad seasons, rough things, losing of a loved one, or, or, or just, just tough times during Christmas. Uh, for others, it's, it's the most exciting time of the year. I know certainly for me it is. And so, but what I want to do is I want to encourage us, I want to give us four points on what makes Christmas so magical, what makes Christmas astonishing and supernatural. Then I want to give us four ways to tap into the magic of Christmas. So number one, one thing that makes Christmas so magical is, is that God came to be with you. God came to be with you. Many of us during this time of the year, we struggle with loneliness. We struggle with, with pain. It's interesting because we are the most connected generation of all time as far as social media is concerned. But statistics also show that we are the most loneliest generation because of social media. And uh, it's easy to have a thousand friends on Facebook, but to not have one true, one real friend in real life. At best, most of our connections are supernatural. And so uh, it makes sense if you go into a room full of people, be it in school, be it, um, be it at work or, or wherever you find yourself at, it makes sense if you're in a room full of people and you still feel alone because the culture and the spirit of the age is supernatural connection. It's just, hey, how you doing? And let's keep it moving. But we don't really get to know each other. We don't get... We don't get beneath the surface. We, and, and God never created us to be alone. So I love this promise here. This promise was a promise uh, given to a, a prophet named Isaiah, but Matthew quotes Isaiah 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And, and Matthew says this, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. I love that. So, so, so when, when Mary conceived Jesus, um, God actually put his spirit in her womb. And, and, and he came out as God in the flesh. Jesus was God in the flesh. And, and the birth of Christ represents God's presence in your life. So you may be struggling right now. You may feel as though you're all alone. You may feel, where's God? I've been praying. I've been believing. I've, I've been running to God. For, for many of you, you've been in church every Sunday for the past 15 years. And you're in a season right now, this, this present Christmas, and you're asking, man, where is God? And so that may be a fact. You may feel that way. It may be tough. But the truth is stronger than facts. And the truth is, is that God is with you. Jesus represents the fact that God was born and he's with you. So Colossians 2.9 says this, for in Christ, here it is, I love this, I love this, for in Christ all the fullness of God, all the fullness of God in a human body. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So when he was born, God came through. God said, I, I just can't stay in heaven. I got to get down there. There's too much pain. There's too much hurt. There's too much struggle. There's too much death. And it's time for me to come and to live and to experience what man experiences. His birth represents the fact that you are not alone tonight. The second thing that makes Christmas so magical is that God understands your struggles. God understands your struggles. Um, about a week ago, 
uh, we took our dog Nemo to the vet, and uh, this was Friday, about a week ago or so. And um, it was around noon, and so 10 minutes after I dropped off um, PK, Pastor Kyra, PK for short, y'all like, who is PK? I got to clarify that. Um, 10 minutes after I dropped you off, you called me crying, and you said, we're going to have to put Nemo to sleep. Uh, Nemo was a Yorkie, and he was 14 years old. If I got my math right, that's 98. He's an old man, and it just, it just got worse. You know, he, he walked around, and we had to put him in diapers, and he just kept using the bathroom on himself, and his skin was getting thin and, and, and fragile, and you'd brush his hair, and the hair would come off, and we had never seen Nemo like this. As a matter of fact, within two weeks, Nemo lost 50% of his weight. He always weighed five pounds, but he was 2.5 when we took him to the vet that day, and we just knew that it was time. So I said, man, I, I got to pick up Jay. I, I know he's in school, but it's about to be winter break. I don't care what he's doing. We got to pick him up. Um, Jay is 11, so Nemo's been in Jay's life all of his life. Um, Judah is five. He's been in Judah's life all of his life. He was your, essentially your first child. And so we all went as a family just to say goodbye to Nemo and to take our last pictures. And um, it's been tough. It's been real tough around the house without Nemo. Nemo used to follow you everywhere, used to eat all the food, used to, used to do stuff. Like, Nemo was the, the most nervous dog you'd ever meet, too. You just look at Nemo, he... Hey, Nemo, I'm just looking at you. What you going to do? What you going to do? Just always thinking about what are you going to do to harm him, but we miss him. So, you know, we could be eating apple pies and vanilla ice cream from McDonald's a couple days ago, and we just start crying. Why are you crying, babe? I don't know why are you crying. It's Nemo. It's just been tough. And maybe you haven't lost a family dog. Maybe you've lost a job recently. Maybe you've been struggling in your finances. Maybe you've been struggling in your marriage. Maybe you just went through a rough divorce. Maybe you've just received uh, the worst diagnosis you could have received ever or someone you love. Maybe you've lost a loved one. But I just want to encourage you that God understands your struggles. Hebrews 4 says this, Jesus understands every weakness of ours. Let's slow down. So God in the flesh... Not cosmic. You can't, not, not who's just up there in the sky and you can't reach him and you can't relate to him. No, God in the flesh, the Bible says, understands all of our weaknesses. And it says this here in the Bible, because he was tempted in every way we are. So sickness hit the body of Christ. The flu hit the body of Jesus. Um, headaches hit Jesus' body. Discouragement hit his body. He experienced rejection. As a matter of fact, in the toughest season of his life, right before he was about to go to the cross and die for our sins, in the toughest season of his life, all of his friends abandoned him. He said, could you just stay up to pray with me? He goes back in the Garden of Gethsemane. The word Gethsemane means pressing. A lot of you, oh man, I don't want to preach that right now. <laughs> let me stay, let me... A lot of you, oh man, a lot of you want to fulfill your purpose, want to fulfill your destiny. You're going to be pressed. That's an entirely new message, 2020. But he was being pressed and he went to Peter, James, and John and he said, pray with me. And he went back three times and they were asleep. When they arrested him right before he went to the cross, Peter said, I don't know him. His best friend, I don't know him. Jesus understood rejection. He understood what it meant to be fired. When he was on the cross dying for our sins, the love of God on the cross, blood shed for our sins. The, the, he, he looked up at the father and he said, 
Father, why have you forsaken me? Because God can't look at sin. When he sees your life, he sees the blood of Jesus Christ. If he looked at sin, we would all be dead right now. We would all be judged. He said, Father God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, we believe, theologians believe, that God had turned his back on his son. So for those of us who say, well, my father's never been in my life, Jesus totally understands that. Well, I'm a, I'm a part of a mixed family. I was raised by a stepdad. Jesus totally understands that. I'm broke right now. Jesus totally understands that. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph, was so, they were so broke that God sent men. He sent people to, to, to Jesus, to Mary, and to Joseph. And let me tell you something. That little nativity that you have at home, that barn set with the three men looking at Jesus and the cow and the horse and the pig, oink, oink. They were not that happy. That, that's all wrong. Grandma got it all wrong. We got one right there on top of the sink. It's all wrong. It looked pretty, but it's all wrong. Let me tell you something. Jesus was born, and when Mary popped that joker out, she put him in a trough. They were so broke, they couldn't even afford a hotel room. They put them in a trophy. You know what a trophy is? A trophy is where horses and pigs ate. So the king of glory, God almighty in the flesh was born and put in a trophy. And then, it, like I said, it wasn't all this hay, didn't have lights out like we have in the hallway. No, it, it wasn't. It was a cave, a cold, rocky, dusty, stinky cave. So broke. So the wise men brought them gifts Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and that, 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 that supported the family of Jesus for three years. That's called an offering. So he understands finances. He understands what it means to be in debt. He un what, when he took our debt on the cross, he understands debt. He understands what it means to be in the red in the bank account. He understands it all, but I love this promise in Scripture. So whenever we are in need, I'm sorry, but he did not sin. Verse 15, but he did not sin. So, yeah, he went through it all, but he didn't fail. He was tempted, but he didn't fail. He didn't give up. He pressed in. He believed. He had perfect faith. And I love, this is the promise attached to it. So whenever we are in need, we should come bravely before the throne of our merciful God. There we will be treated with undeserved kindness, and we will find help. You're, you're going to find help. He understands it. And all you got to do is just come to him. You can bring all that dysfunction. You can bring all the brokenness. You can bring your disbelief. You can say, oh, God, I got a lot of brokenness in my life. Here you are. You say, well, you, you'll say, well, I, I forgot. I got some more. I got all those lies and dysfunction in my life. Oh, man, I got some more. Here's, here's some secrets. And God's going to be like, I get it. I overcame that. You can't clean your life up. You can't straighten your life up. I clean your life up. I straighten your life up. I give grace. I give favor. I pour out my mercy. I just come to me. Come on, come on. I overcame that thing you're struggling with. So if you're in a struggle, be encouraged. You won't be in it for long. The third thing that makes Christmas so magical is that God came to clean up our mess. I remember when I first started dating my wife, and uh, one day she asked me, one evening she asked me for the keys to my house. And I'm like, what you want my keys for? Like, I, I'm still cleaning my life up, you know what I mean? 
cleaning up my lies. I love Jesus, but I was still cleaning up, cleaning up my life. What you want my keys for? And she said, just trust me. Give me your keys. And so I gave her my keys. And that next morning, um, she would come from her place and go to my place. And I went to work. Let me tell you, I struggle with two things. And I, I've gotten some victory over one of them. I struggle with two things, disorganization and procrastination. And I've, I've gotten a little bit victory on, on the procrastination portion. But that disorganization, we're still working on it. And so, man, my room just draws and socks and, and dust and, and video games and trash. And can't remember the last time I changed the sheets on the bed. Jesus Christ. I got home from work. And she got a lot of cool points in the area of being a candidate to become wifey. I came home, and Jesus Christ, you could drink the water out of the toilet bowl. Y'all ain't. No, nah, 530 ain't with it. That was good. I know it was good. I worked on that all week for y'all, but y'all y'all gave me a ha, 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 ha. And y'all looking at me like, thank you. I haven't wore a suit for you for Christmas. I told 230, don't look at me like that. Don't come in here with this. It's all about Jesus. No one cares about your suit. Hey, this suit is nice. Give God the glory for this suit. It's all about Jesus. We don't care about your suit. Just preach. No. I'm hot and I'm sweating. Give me something. But anyway, it's the third service, y'all. I'm tired. What was I talking about? Yeah, so I came home. And it was spick and span. And it's because we do a great job at messing up our lives. But God is the master at cleaning our lives up. And Ezekiel 36 says this, in addition, I'll deliver you from everything that makes you unclean. All, all, that, all that addiction, all that struggle, all that sin in your life, you can't clean it up. I'm going to give an altar call here and not come into the altar, but a call to salvation in about 15 minutes. You don't need to, when I ask you, hey, are you going to come to Jesus today? I don't need you walking out and going to the bathroom, washing off some sin. You, you can't wash it off. I don't need you brushing your teeth. I got to get the cuss words out. It, it can't happen. We do a great job at messing it up, but God cleans it up. Every area of your life. And he says this here, I'll call out the grain you plant, ordering it to produce abundant yields. This is something that a lot of preachers have felt at over the years. I'm guilty of this too, for two millennia. If this represents hell, the black part, and this is like doing what's right. Preachers are good at saying, don't sin, don't do this, don't do that, and God will love you, God will accept you. And, and, and so what we do is when we do that, we're encouraging you to live on the edge. It's like I can do a little sin just to have enough fun, but I, I, need, to, I, need, to stay, I need to stay right with God. And we, we preach that as if that's the best life for you. That is not just living on the edge. Well, I told a little white lie. A white lie ain't no different from a black lie. It's no different from a big lie. It's no different. A lie is a lie, right? And so what we need to start doing is saying, look, God wants to clean all this up in your life. 
so you can get as far away from hell as possible, so you can be rooted in growth, rooted in peace, rooted in joy, rooted in more, rooted in freedom, so you can be rooted. You don't need to live on the edge. Jesus says, I'll, I'll clean it all out, and then he says, I'm going to call out the grain you plant. So a lot of work that you're doing with your hands right now, you're wondering why God is not prospering it. Because there are still certain areas that he wants to clean up in your life. And until you allow him to clean it up, you won't see the harvest in certain areas of your life. Jesus came to clean it all up. So, so you can step into blessing. He says, I'll call it out, ordering it to produce abundant yields. Abundant yields. The fourth reason that Christmas is magical is because God can use anyone to do the impossible. God can use anyone to do the impossible. We're going to go to Luke 1, 26. Y'all okay? Sorry I didn't give you a poem and a, I'm, I'm preaching. Is this good on Christmas? All right, come on, let's put God's hand together if you're being blessed. <clears throat> We're almost finished here. Verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. We can do an entire series on that word favor. That word there means unmerited gift. Yeah. It means I, you're just favored because I love you. There's nothing you can do to receive it. I, I chose you since before you were born. Right. You're favored. You're loved. And he says this here, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. The kingdom of Jesus is an eternal kingdom. You do understand that we're living in a dying kingdom. This is why people fear death. Because all they see is this earth. All they see is this life. Christians, we don't fear death. Because we, we understand, the Bible teaches that we're just, we're passing on through. Right. We're foreigners in this land. We're, we're, when we, as soon as we pass on, the Bible says to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. As, if you're in Christ, as soon as you die, you enter into the presence of God. That's where our hope is. And so it says, and, and, and that will never end. Verse 34, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Oh, here it is. God can use anyone to do the impossible. So this young lady has never been with a man. The word virgin also means she's young. So she's a teenager. And it says this here, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. When you give your life, your heart to Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. So, so the angel is saying, don't worry about, don't worry about how you're going to do it. You're not going to do it. He's going to do it. And when, when, you, when you accept this call in your life, when you accept me, when you, when you trust me, I'm going to give you my spirit, and then you're going to initiate the impossible in your life. That's when it's going to become initiated. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't try to figure it out. 
You're not going to have to lay with anybody. You're not going to have to be with anybody. I'm going to do this thing. You're favorite, and I've chosen you. I can use anyone to do the impossible, even a teenage virgin. If you got kids in here, I'm sorry, but we're going to be grown-up adults. I love this, even a teenage virgin. I got some more coming. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. So God is all over the place during the Christmas season doing miracles. Elizabeth is barren. She is old. As a matter of fact, if you go and you read about Elizabeth, you'll read about her and her, and her husband, Zachariah. And um, Elizabeth's like, the Lord has promised me that we're going to have a child. And Brother Zachariah, who is, mind you, a priest, he's in church. She, she ain't in church like that, but she has more faith than he does. She said, we're going to have a child. God promised it to me. And he looks at her. He's like, my stuff ain't working. Y'all came with church faces today. I warmed you up 10 minutes ago. Your stuff ain't working. My stuff ain't working. How is this going to happen? It happens because God can use anyone to do the impossible. A virgin teenager, a barren elderly woman. No matter where where you've come from, what your past is, what bad decisions you've made, no no, no matter the mistakes you've made, no matter the sins that you've committed, no matter how how much you've disqualified yourself, God still qualifies you in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter. You are still loved. God can still do a miracle. God can still give you power. God can still free you. And a lot of you, a lot of us, we're here today because it's just Christmas and this is what we do and we come to church on Christmas and we check off the box, but God is trying to get some faith on the inside of you to not enter 2020 the way you went through 2019 and he can do the impossible through anyone as long as they make themselves available and I'm going to show you something here in a minute where Mary said yes all God need is your yes the reason why that thing is not possible in your life is because you have not given him your yes and so it says this here the angel the Holy Spirit verse 36 what's more is your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age people you used to say she was barren but she's six months pregnant and he is Jesus's older cousin John the Baptist prepared the way for Christ barrenness was terrible in this culture because women derived their value from having kids So she was nothing in the eyes of society. How many people in here feel like you're nothing? Don't don't raise your hand. How many of you may be struggling, feeling like you're nothing in the eyes of anyone that you care about or love? You're a perfect candidate for God's love. You're a perfect candidate for God to do the impossible. You feel like you're forgotten? You're perfect. You feel like you're the underdog? You're perfect. You feel like you're you're losing? You're perfect. If I can get people, come on here. It's Christmas. You're perfect candidate. I remember there was a time where Highlight Church was nothing but um, a pencil, paper, and some words. And, um, we, we, had, we had just 
left our previous church, and, and they prayed and they blessed it. But, but there was no proactive support. Do, do you need a team? Um, do you need some financial support? Do you need some documents? It was, oh, all right, God called you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and start your church. Mom, I love them. To, Dad, closest friends. I remember when all, all this was in the two services before y'all. I think we broke 500 today. I think. I'll report that in January. That's crazy. In, in three years, it's amazing. All, none of this. All, all this was was writing. It was highlight church, Matthew 5, 14 through 16, the founding verse. And everyone and their mom told me it wouldn't work. Don't go to Maryland and start a church. Stay in the Bible Belt. And, and I was tempted to feel like nothing. And I looked at God. And I said, the reason you came, Jesus, is to turn nobodies into somebodies so we can preach about the only body that matters, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So don't, make, don't let the devil push you up in a corner and, and people push you up in a corner and make you feel like you're worthless and you don't have a calling and you don't have power and you don't have a purpose. You, God can do the impossible through anyone. I mean, come on, Jesus' family lineage. If you read Matthew, prostitutes, liars, thieves, rapists, murderers. He came through a long line of just dysfunctional people. And God used them all. Now, four ways to tap into the magic of Christmas. Y'all ready? Yeah. Number one, if you're going to tap into the magic of Christmas tonight, you got to forgive. Forgive. That's a right turn, ain't it? God can do anything. He's with me in my struggles. He's with me. Now, now we got to put in work. Forgive. Forgive. Joseph, Matthew 1, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So Joseph had a great heart, but we got to look at this story and understand he was hurt. He, was, he, was, he felt betrayed. There was some lying going on. They hadn't been married yet. They were engaged. They were betrothed to be married. So, well, betrothed, they were married, but they hadn't yet had the ceremony. So she was actually his wife. This is kind of how it went. Mary and Joseph. Hey, Joe. I got, come on, Lisa. I need you right now. I need you and that Christmas red, sweetie. I need you, because it Hey, Joe, um, can you come into the kitchen? Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, I got something to, to confess. Speak. <laughs> That's how I'll be with PK. Speak, right? It's just, uh, okay, what's up? What's going on? Um... 
I'm, I'm pregnant. Come again? <laughs> I'm pregnant, babe. Now, don't, don't get upset. Well, here it is again. Like, we ain't, my stuff working, your stuff working, but we, we ain't been working. Come on, I worked on that all week now. I need a, I'm in the mirror with my remote control. We, oh, that'd, that'd be good. Yeah, I can say that. That should make them, no, I'm playing. So we ain't working, we, but we didn't work. So who's the dad? Now, this is weirder than my confession. G-O-D, who? God. Well, what's his address? I'm going to introduce him to Satan. Is it God? Right? Like, he's like, I'm going to introduce him to the devil. What is his address? And it's, it's like you got you to understand that Joseph was hurt. He was a righteous man, so he's just going to put her away privately because had he admitted, they would have stoned Mary to death. And there goes Jesus. No heaven. No forgiveness. The de- mm. This is, this is not the message, Lord, but I'm going to say this because I need to say it. The devil is an aborter. So if I can get Joseph to disgrace her public, publicly, the only reason that she's pregnant is through fornication. And we know that that is a sin commendable to death. If I am the enemy, I want Joseph to disgrace her publicly so she can get stoned to death, eliminating Jesus' salvation. So he had it in his heart. He was hurt, but he was in the process of forgiving her. And it says this here, son, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. I love this. And she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. This is so important. He says, she's not going to name him. You're going to name him. But until you forgive, you can't fully step into your assignment. There are some doors you're asking God to open in your life. And God is asking you, who have you forgiven that I've been calling you to forgive? that you need to forgive. So if you're going to tap into the magic tonight, before dinner, before the party, before tomorrow morning, get in a room and pray and begin to ask God, who are you calling me to forgive in this season? And I'm going to encourage you with this. The first person you may need to forgive this Christmas is yourself. Yeah, yeah, you, you said it. You did it. You hurt them, but you may need to start with yourself first. Why is that important? Because the Bible says that for God loved us, now we can love him. Since we've received God's love, we can love. You cannot give what you don't have. So if you don't learn to forgive yourself first, there's no way you can forgive others who hurt you. So tonight, if you want to tap into the magic of this season, lights and food and all that, if you want it to go beneath the surface, beneath the superficial, let's learn to forgive. The second way to tap into the magic of Christmas is to rejoice. Rejoice. I'm almost out of here. Y'all okay? All right.
rejoice. It says this, Luke 2, verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. So an angel came from heaven when Jesus was born. All of heaven opened up. And it says this here, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the sent one, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. I want to give you a few seconds. If Jesus has been good to you this year, if Jesus has saved your soul, if Jesus has set you free, if Jesus has sustained you, if Jesus has provided for you, if Jesus has came through for you in 2019, and if Jesus has been there all of your life, I want to give you 20 seconds to give Jesus Christ the very best praise. Put your hands together. This is why we're here tonight. Don't patty cake Jesus. Get excited. Heaven is home. And he is good. Rejoice, 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 rejoice. Get free and rejoice. Get free. If you're going to tap into the magic, put all that stuff aside. Rejoice tonight before dinner. Rejoice in the morning. Rejoice. All of 2019 has not been bad. God has been faithful. God has been good. For, by golly sakes, rejoice over the food. Rejoice for the fact you have family in town. Rejoice. If you're going to tap into the magic of Christmas tonight, get into a room and say, God, I give you the praise. It's not perfect, but it's good. It's not perfect, but you're good. It's not all there, but you're working. You're going to have to rejoice, 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 rejoice. I don't know. It's the last service, y'all. I'm getting from behind that. I refuse to go through all week mad about work, upset about home. I refuse to allow Satan to have a little room on Christmas to allow me to be like this all day tonight. All night, just and tomorrow. Oh, Merry Christmas. No, rejoice, 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 rejoice. Get happy about this thing. Praise him in advance for what he's about to do. Rejoice. He's good. He is good. He is good. He is good. And that, that's what you call maturity. I know this isn't a less gross series, but if you want to mature in your faith, learn to rejoice before the prayer is answered. Lord, it don't make sense. I can't see it. It's shaky and it's shady, but I'm going to rejoice anyway because you're going to come through. Rejoice tonight. The third way that you're going to tap into the magic is dream. Ooh, dream tonight. It's almost like God laid this thing out for you tonight. It's 38 degrees, nice and crisp. The lights are out. Go somewhere and, and pray and say, God, show me something. Don't miss the magic of the season of Christmas. God gave a man a dream during Jesus' time of birth. At the time, we're going to go to Luke 2 here. Uh, verse 25, it says, At the time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, 
and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed. That word means that God had showed him something. God showed him something years before the baby came. You got a dream tonight. This is why, Catherine, you're in this. The reason I'm telling you to dream, sweetie, is this. Is because by this time next year, I'm prophesying now, whatever God is going to show you tonight, it. it shall be next Christmas. Don't, don't let tonight go by or tomorrow without getting in a room and praying and say, God, show me something about my life about my marriage, about my future, about my destiny. Reveal something to me. And I know we're going to be having a different talk in the future about what God is about to reveal to you in this Christmas season. So he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So God promised him something. A dream is also a promise. A vision is also a promise. That day the Spirit led him to church. Get to church. Get to church. I'm about to fulfill that promise. So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Jesus was eight days old. Simeon was there. He received the vision. He believed the vision. This is why you don't miss church. And the vision was fulfilled. Maybe I'm going too deep on Christmas. You got to stay rooted in the house. Because God is going to reveal something to you. It's in the house where you have the most opportunity to believe it. And as you remain rooted in the local church, he's going to bring that thing to pass in your life. And so here comes the baby. Here comes the promise. Here comes our Lord. Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. I'm good. I've seen him. And he's beautiful. And he's amazing. And he's my savior. Yes, he's a baby, but he came to set me free. And I can go home now because I don't have to worry if hell is my destination. He's here and I'm going to heaven when I pass. Lord, take me home now. I've seen your promise come to pass. He's right here in my arms. Thank you, God, for what you showed me a few years ago. You are faithful. You are good. You do give dreams. You do give visions. You do come through. You are good. That's Christmas. That's tapping in tonight. Get along with God and ask the Lord to show you something. That's Christmas. Dream. Sovereign Lord, let your servant die in peace. Verse 30, I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. Not just Israel, all people. Black folk, white folk, yep. Spanish folk, yep. Middle Eastern folk, mm -hmm. Buddhists, yep. Muslims, all people, atheists, agnostics, non-believers. He is the savior of all people. Yeah. He loves all people. That's the Christmas story. He loves all people. The fourth way you're going to tap into the magic of Christmas is through trust. Trust. 
We're closing out here. Christmas came early for me in 2012, about eight months early. I had just met Pastor Kyra, and we had went through the book of John together, verse by verse. And um, she found this play, this Easter play in Leesburg, Florida. I had no idea where we were going. But my car was broke down, and I convinced my mom to let me borrow her GMC Envoy 2004. And uh, we rode out. And so the play was amazing. Christmas, Easter play, amazing. Had to be a 1,000 people in this church. And the pastor got on the stage, and he gave this call to salvation, to come to Christ, to trust Christ with your entire life. Yeah. Don't, don't go halfway. He said, don't do halfway. Halfway don't work. He said, you got to go all in with Jesus. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm in my chair. And I'm like, I'm calling her babe because I'm very attracted to her. But we were just friends. We were flirting. Sorry. We're going home after this. I said, come on, babe, stand up. He said, stand if you're coming to Jesus today. I said, come on, it's your time. It's your season. Stand up, stand up. And you told me that you were not going to stand up. But you felt the force of God say, today, you're going to give me your heart. And you shot up. And so I'm praying. And my spirit, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome, babe. And it was that day she trusted her entire life to Jesus. And I mean, you ought to get to know her story. It's, it's profound. We all got a story. We all have a past. We've all, we've all done wrong. We're all sinners. It's not a condemning statement. It's what scripture teaches that's why a savior was born. And um, it doesn't get any worse than your story or my story. And maybe you're sitting there and you're like, well, pastor, this was a great message, motivational, nice suit. <laughs> but maybe you're saying that me trusting Jesus thing and giving him my life he wouldn't accept me because of all I've done. He wouldn't, he wouldn't even think twice about me. Move on to the next person in my row. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it doesn't get any worse than, than, than me or my wife or many people in here. And, and he's done a complete just 180 in your life. And um, I love this. If you're not convinced that God will accept you, right where you are. Like I said, you don't got to go in that bathroom and wash off sin and you don't have to do that. This is what he said in Isaiah 54, 7. With deep love, I will take you back. With deep love, I will take you back. After all I've done, with deep love, I will take you back. And Isaiah is addressing a sinful Israel who doesn't even want to follow God. And he says, with deep love, you may not want God, but God wants you. I'll take you back. And this is why Jesus came. John 3 says this, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son 
so that everyone who believes in him will not die, but have eternal life. That's how we love. I, I love this because it doesn't give any qualifiers. It doesn't say, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son for everyone who did right. This is how God loved those who came to church every Sunday. This is how God loved those who gave, who served. It doesn't say any of that. It says this is how God loved the entire world. And I love this promise here so that you would not perish. This is our hope in Christ is that as soon as, soon as we take that last breath, we enter into the presence of God. So we have an eternal hope. And he says this here, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. A lot of people, watch this, are running from God. Jesus didn't come to judge the world. He came to save the world. You're running, you're, and you can run, run, run. You know, all right, God, God's right here. All right, God, I'm going to go ahead. Woo, getting away from God. And God's like right behind you. I'm right there. You, you can't sin enough to get from the presence of God. He loves you just as you are. And I want to encourage you with this. The greatest gift you can give to anyone this year that you love yourself, your family, your friends, is to trust Jesus with your life. That's the greatest gift you can give to anyone you love, is to trust Jesus with it all. I believe this. God did not bring you to church tonight to check off a Christmas box. You may have been drugged here by a friend or family member, but he didn't, he says, he's saying enough of this. He's saying it's time to go in. It doesn't matter what you've done. Christ loves you. Let's bow our heads. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, let's bow our head. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, God loves you. He sent the Son. This is why we're gathered here today. I want you to pray this prayer with me and just under your breath you can say it you don't have to say it out loud this is between you and God but the Bible teaches that those who believe in their hearts and confess with their mouths that Jesus is Lord you shall be saved it's that simple and maybe you're coming to Christ today for the first time or you're coming back to him Pray this with me under your breath. It doesn't have to be out loud. This is between you and Christ. Father God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. I thank you for dying on a cross and shedding your blood for the forgiveness of my sin. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. I am yours. Make me new. 
in Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed and every eye still closed, we want to honor this moment. This is the most important moment of the service. We've had salvations in the first two worship experiences. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you just gave your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, or if you came back to him, I just want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand. If you just gave your heart to Jesus for the first time, God bless you. Or if you came back to him, God bless you. Hallelujah. You can lift your heads. Come on, church. Let's celebrate. Come on, 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 come on. Come on. Every, every worship experience, salvations. If you made that decision or if you've come back to Christ, you've just made the greatest decision you've ever made. We love to see you outside at the blue tent. We have a gift for you. Merry Christmas. Let's be sure to tap into the magic tonight. Forgive, rejoice, dream, trust. Love you guys. Put your hands together. Thank you.